again to the very first episode of How's Things, a podcast from the David A. Howe Public Library. Now, maybe you're a long-time All the Books listener and you're just tuning back in to hear what comes next, or maybe this is your very first time listening to the David A. Howe Public Library podcast. Either way, welcome. Maybe it's none of those things, though. Maybe you're just here for today's special guest. I know that's why I'm here. Bo Hutchings, welcome back to the David A. Howe Public Library. Hello, thank you. <laughs> are you in a Christmas mood? Are you feeling cozy? I am feeling super cozy thanks to our, uh, what, third year it is. in a row? Yeah, it of is. This cozy Christmas tradition. Yeah, yeah. Technically, this is your fourth year participating in a, in a library holiday extravaganza. Our third year reading a Christmas book together. But we're getting ahead of yourselves. Uh, your people sent along a bio that I'm told that I have to read verbatim. And mm-hmm. I also, I hope that you got the sparkling water and the and the only blue M&Ms that you requested for your dressing room. Did, did those all come through? Uh, we don't need to talk about that right okay. now. Okay, all right. Bo Hutchings is currently living in Marshall, Michigan, where he's originally from. Hey, I'm from nearby. Yeah. After 12 years of living in New York City and pursuing musical theater professionally, he's taken a job at Star Commonwealth. Star Commonwealth is a nonprofit that offers counseling and treatment to youth who have experienced trauma. Star believes in building resilience in children and helping them find their greatness, a mission that Bo firmly believes. He's enjoyed a wonderful run in the theater world, having performed in three Broadway national tours. I saw you in one of those. Which one? Two? One? I saw you in Wizard of Oz. I did that twice. So, well, yes. but I saw you pre... You were a crow. Said the scarecrow. Like, wow, wow, yeah. wow. That one. And we actually kept that phrase in. Yeah, did, yeah. 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 We so went legit. Up, yeah. Um, yeah, you saw me in that. And then uh, did you see the other Wizard of Oz I did? The Angeloid Weber one? No, I don't think so. I don't think you were ever like a, that close to me again. Because you were right in Rochester for that one. That was in my contract. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> Not you had that penciled in. That's hurtful. Yeah. Anyway, there's more. An international tour in Europe, as well as a six-month stint on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. Wow. I bet you got your sea legs. Six months. Is that true? Six months on a cruise ship? Wow, wow, wow. Yes, it is true. And six months, believe it or not, uh, did not feel very long, because generally those contracts are nine months. So I feel like I kind of lucked out. Really? Yeah, huh. it was it was the closing. It was the last year of Chicago, the musical on okay. Royal Caribbean. All right. And they made it a shorter contract because they were going to throw it overboard and bring Mamma Mia on. Wow. Which, which is still there if cruise ships are even yeah. happening right now. Yeah, well, the elderly love uh, Mamma Mia. Hey, do you think that Chicago, the movie would have been better if Travolta had played the Richard Gere role as originally intended? I d- didn't know that he was originally intended, but I, did you not like Richard Gere in that role? I mean, I thought Richard Gere kind of smirked his way through that whole thing. But, I, I mean, I would have been all down for a Travolta, though. I mean, I was smirking all the way with Richard Gere, I guess. Okay. But I, I would like to see what Travolta's got as far as the Billy Flynn of it all. Yeah. And that's all I have to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Listen, there's more. There's more. He's also an adjudicator for dance competitions and often guest teaches for studios in southwest Michigan. Adjudicator, does that mean you like judge? I do, yeah. I, for many years, judged for a scholarship, and I was not, I was, they always threw out the lowest score from the judges, and I feel like none of my scores ever made it in, because I was definitely the harsh judge. I'm sure you were. I had to judge puppetry. I don't know why, because, like, you know, I have a theater background, and I would judge, like, that kind of thing. I had to judge puppetry, and it was like these kids, they had no business holding a puppet, you know? Well, I, you know, no offense, but do you have any business judging puppetry? No. 
No, that's my point. They were like, well, you've done plays and directed plays. You could judge puppets. And I was like, I really don't think so. But then, the I, saw, then I saw these kids with the puppets, though, and, like, they couldn't even hold the puppet upright, you know? Yeah, that's a problem. I mean, it, that's, how, that, that's pretty much the whole job. Well, the listen, it was very low stakes, but I wasn't going to let anybody get away with anything. That was my, <laughs> yeah. okay? I bet. I bet. All right, anyways, listen, there's more. Library regulars might know Bo as the Nutcracker Prince, a role he's played in the Nancy Howe Auditorium for the past three years. Not this year, though. That's right. Because there is no Nutcracker this year. Although, we did some digital Nutcracker workshops. Oh, you did? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Oh, what'd you do? Yep. Well, we did one where, I think it was limited to six people could actually come to the library and learn some of the choreography with Sarah. We did that. And then there's going to be like a digital one that's coming up as well. So we're trying to still do some Nutcracker-y type things because like it's, it's an institution, you know? Well, yeah, it's that time of year. We need the Nutcracker. Absolutely. So, I mean, at least we have you here. Uh, but there's more in the bio. Hold on. Uh, he also was a regular contributor to the All the Book Show, where he appeared in three episodes, two of which were covering some pretty horrendous Christmas novels. One was not a Christmas novel, but we'll get into that. I think you probably, in my, for my money, you peaked 20 years ago uh, in the role of Sidney Purvis in the 2000... 2000- <laughs> Marshall Youth Marshall Civic Youth Theater production of Meet Me in St. Louis. That's where we met, Bo. That's where this magic began. I know, and I feel like we talk about this every year. We do, and like people can't forget. But this year is special because this is twenty year. This is our twenty year anniversary. But who's counting? Well, I just did. I told you. But <laughs> to be fair, it's an even number, so it was really easy. Oh yeah, two thousand. Right. Yeah, twenty twenty thousand. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 I know. I know. I didn't I get. I didn't get you that. anything. I didn't get you anything. If that's what you're wondering. I would never expect that. Okay. Uh, it's a Christmas season, Bo. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Season. Thank you. Are you in the zone? Are, have you done any Christmassy type things? I know you have your Christmas tree up. You told me that. Well, December and winter, this is all my favorite time of year. Okay. I love Christmas. Yeah. I love snow and I love the whole shtick. So, um, yes, I'm definitely in the Christmas spirit. Okay. I've already decorated my new home and it's feeling real nice and cozy. Here. Wow. Okay. Have you gotten to any Christmas movies or anything like that? Have you have you broken that out yet? Not yet, but I do want to watch. Have you seen ads for Jingle Jangle on Netflix? Yes. Yeah, I want to see that. I've yeah. gotten great reviews. Really, it's exciting because it's a new Christmas movie. It's yeah. a musical, and it just it looks really interesting. So that's going to be. I'm going to jump into that one, and I do think I want to kind of dive into like schmaltzy Christmas oh. movies, maybe maybe Lifetime esque. Yeah, um, kind of to to go with my uh, my book my book club book. Here, Absolutely. So. Well, I can tell you because my wife and I just did this, but you can get a one-week free trial of the Friendly streaming app, and it's got all the Hallmark Christmas movies on it. All of them, though. Do you watch them? Uh, We've watched a couple. One was called Christmas Perfection. I think this was actually Lifetime. Are you familiar with this movie? No, it sounds wonderful. It's it's about a lady who's not too thrilled with her life. Her parents are divorced. She's, She's got a crappy job. People are mean. And then one day, she wakes up in her perfect Irish... Irish Christmas village and just lives her life in an Irish Christmas village where every day is Christmas and her parents are back together and people are nice to her and she's fine with it. That's the thing. She's not a, it's not a groundhog day situation. She is fine with it. I feel like they are all just kind of fine with it. Christmas perfection. Movie, which I love. Yeah. I feel like in those movies, you don't want to be like the mom of two really cute kids because you're going to die. If you make it to the screen at all, 
Spoiler alert. Yeah, I just think, you know, because you got to have a single dad. you got to have a dad, like, tucking, uh, kids aren't ready for me to date. I can't, even though this baker is perfect for me, and I'm a journalist but, from a small-town newspaper. I want to know who comes up with the titles of these movies, because, like, you know they're at the bottom of the barrel when they come up with, what was it? Christmas, Christmas Perfection. Perfection. Yeah, because it doesn't tell you anything. It could have been, like, Christmas Village or... Well, next year it'll be Perfect Christmas. I guess, yeah. I mean... That the opportunities are yeah. endless, apparently. We did watch one called Deliver by Christmas, which I have to admit I did like. It was where it was kind of like a like a she loves me, you've got mail situation where they didn't realize that that person was the person they were talking to on the phone. And that one kind of, kind of got me. Deliver by Christmas. So it's not a pregnancy story? There was no pregnancy involved. No, of none of it. Yeah. It wasn't like a, no. Well, I misinterpreted that title. You did. Yeah, you jumped right to pregnancy, which it took me a minute, but I understand because of Deliver. Yes. You were thinking deliver. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Bo, have you read a, a have you read a Christmas book this year? I sure hope so. Cause that's that's the premise of this episode. I was gonna say, was I supposed to? I, I, I did. I re- do. You, do we want to get into it? Yeah. Yeah. To, well, l- let me refresh your memory about some experiences you've had as a holiday contributor here at the David A. Howe oh, Public great. Library. In 2018, you read Snow Way Out by Christine Husum. It was the first of the snow globe mysteries. And, Bo, what holiday was that set on? Uh, Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> and did they ever make it to Christmas at all? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> all right. And the next year, you read Ghosts of Christmas Past by Angie Fox. Do you have fond memories of Ghosts Ghost of Christmas Past by Angie Fox? I actually remember the snow globe one better. Really? I think I did, because that, that was so shockingly not a Christmas story yeah. that that really stuck with me. Yeah. Um, the We were messaging the other day, and we were kind of, you know, reminiscing about Podcast Pass. As you do. And, and you mentioned some of the, the fun little uh, best ofs of my book last year. And yeah. And came back to me. But, yes, now that I think about it, it uh, yeah, I remember that one. As I recall in Snow Way Out, the Halloween mystery that had nothing to do with Christmas, even though it was about <laughs> snow globes, you were pretty, you found it kind of ghoulish that they were kind of like, yes, this person died, but we're all friends who work together. And, yeah, that's yeah. the same theme I've noticed in this book I read this year. Really? Well, it's kind of like the casual aspect of all the deaths of the, in, huh. the, in the town. Huh. Okay. I guess it's a way, I guess it's a way for the author to kind of cope and to kind of comfort her audience, yeah. their audience rather, yeah. to make them feel to not want to like close the book. To okay. Be like, oh well, I guess if the characters are okay with it, I can be okay with it. You know. Well, last year I read. I, I guess mine have been cat themed. I didn't really set out for them to be cat themed, <laughs> but they were because in 2018 I read Santa Claus by Rita Mae Brown and Sneaky Pie Brown, her cat, and that was one where the animals actually talked and like helped solve the mystery. And the whole thing was about like a group of monks who moved to this small town. There was oh, a lot yeah. of like. Like, it was a big, like, a sexual reveal, and it was like, what? You know? Yeah. And then the next year uh, was Nine Lives of Christmas by Sheila Roberts, and this was about a hunky fireman and a lady who works at a pet store, and that was also had a weird sexual element to it, because it was half like a cheesy Hallmark movie and half like a smutty romance novel. So it was yeah. totally very strange. It oh. was very horny, I remember. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I think I think you're right. Uh, what have you brought yes. to the table this year? Okay, well, um, also kind of romance-esque. I, I wouldn't say as risque as your book of last year. It's, How could um, it be? This one was called The Twelve Slaves of Christmas. Wow. 
Mine also has slang in the title. Oh, yeah. What's yours called? Mine is called Apple Cider Slaying by Julie Ann Lindsay. It's the first in a new series. Do I spy a cat? There is a cat, yes. Yeah. Sticking with the name. Yeah. That's funny. We both picked Slay. I know. Who's yours by? Who's the author of your book? Um, It's by Jacqueline Frost, which I am guessing is a pen name. You don't think a, a lady who writes romance Christmas novels last name just happened to be Frost? I do, I do not. You don't think so? <laughs> okay. I want to hear everything. So don't leave anything out. Okay. But before we get into that, I just need to know one thing. How was your experience reading it? So I have to say that reading these books has become kind of part of my holiday routine okay. as of late. Okay. And as of the last, what, th- three or four years. Yeah. And I've really come to expect this moment in my life yeah. and really enjoy it. And I have you to blame for that. Yeah. You're welcome. So. Yeah, thank you're welcome. You. Okay, I did. I did. I I, I enjoyed reading this book because, um, as I said, I just moved to a new place and I kind of Christmas Christmasified it. Yeah, to decorate it to my liking and just have everything where I want it to be. And it's just the whole experience of just getting all nice and cozy up on my couch and reading this book was. It's I I I, I look forward to it. Okay, well that's nice. How did you find it? Because in years past, I have found books for you. I've sent you books and been like, how about this one? This year you were like, no, no, I've graduated Uh, to picking my own. So how did you come across this book? It was in my price range. Oh, okay. All right. That's fair enough. Remind me of the title again. Uh, The Twelve Slays of Christmas. (laughs) Um, and it uh i I think i did a search because i I, on uh barnes and noble nook i have a note and i searched for like ebooks and um i narrowed it down to this one i think this one was a series it's part of a series yeah it's the first book it's the first book in the christmas tree farm mystery series actually that's it so like i there was this one and i think they had one that was a little bit later a little bit more recent maybe 2018 yes i was i was maybe gonna read that one i said you know what if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do it right i'm gonna start at the beginning of the start at number one I have a feeling I'll end at number one. Yeah. But okay. I thought I wanted to originally do it right and start here. And I'm, I'm glad I did because, you know, I also knew that they were establishing the characters. And yeah. this follows a, a breakup at the beginning. And I wanted to see where this character started. Yeah. As opposed to where she ends. So. Well, I remember you got burnt on that a little bit last year because you were kind of jumped into the middle and you kept to keep being like, I assume they cover this in other books. So yes, you're right. That's you right. learn. With, uh, okay. Do you have the synopsis handy that you could tell me this, or would you like me to read it for you? Um, I don't have it handy. So you read it. When Holly White's fiance cancels their Christmas Eve wedding, oh no! Cancels their Christmas Eve wedding with less than two weeks to go. Holly heads home with a broken heart. Lucky for her, home in historic Mistletoe, Maine. Is that real? Did you look that up? Is there a real I place? Kept, I kept meaning to, and I forgot. I'll do it right now. Keep keep okay. reading, and I'll you fact check. You fact check. Uh, lucky for her, her home in historic Mistletoe, Maine, is magical during Christmas time. Well, it's called Mistletoe. Exactly <laughs> what the doctor prescribed, except her plan to drown her troubles in peppermints and snickerdoodles is upended when local grouch and president of the Mistletoe Historical Society, Margaret Fenwick, is bludgeoned. Ooh. We have a bludgeoning. And left in the sleigh display at Reindeer Games, Holly's family tree farm. Mine is also set on a family farm, not a tree farm. Well, it is a tree farm because it's an apple orchard. And it also has sleigh in the title? Did it we read does. the same book? Maybe. When the murder weapon is revealed as one of the wooden stakes, holy mackerel, used to identify trees on the farm, Sheriff Evan Gray turns to Holly's father, Bud, and the Reindeer Games staff. 
And it doesn't help that Bud and the Reindeer Keeper were each seen arguing with Margaret just before her death. But Holly knows her father and is determined to exonerate him. The jingle bells are ringing, the clock is ticking, and if Holly doesn't watch out, she'll end up on Santa's naughty list in 12 Sleighs of Christmas. Jacqueline Frost's Jolly series debut. That doesn't sound jolly. Did, did, did that excite you, though? That, that... A little bit. Yeah. A little I, bit. I think it's the way you read it that excited me all over really? again. Really? Well, but, acting. Yeah. I, 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 too, have an acting background, as you'll recall. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yep. Wasn't aware. Well, I never no, worked on a cruise ship. <laughs> that's real So that's probably... <laughs> you have to act like the, the, the set isn't falling on top right, of you. Right. What was um, the show? It was Chicago that you were in on the cruise ship? Oh, yeah. Razzle Dazzle. Um, How was the food? In Chicago? I, <laughs> on the cruise ship? I mean, it was great. Okay. What do you... Yeah, I mean, it was well, fried food, cakes. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was awesome. What were the crew quarters music, like? Was it like, were you below the sea level? Uh, we were at sea level. At sea level. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, actually, the crew mess, as we call it, was the best in the whole Royal Caribbean fleet because it was the biggest ship. It was on the um, uh, allure of the seas, which was the biggest of the fleet. Oh. Awesome salad bar. We had uh, we had a great menu on that um, in the crew mess. But aside from that, we got to eat like on the promenade and in the guest areas too. And yeah, yes. the, the food was amazing. Were you ever there around Christmas? Yeah, we were there on Christmas. Really? What was that situation? Um, it was weird. I it bet. Was, as we actually had Christmas off, which is regardless of like when, what day it is, whether it's a holiday or not, your show, it doesn't affect your show. You're going to do the show no matter what. Okay. But where our performances landed, we did not have a show on Christmas. We did oh. not have a show on Christmas Eve, and we did not have a show on New Year's Eve. Oh, wow. That's so lucky that That's year. great, yeah. But what we did, dis- what our the head of our show decided to do was have us sing Christmas carols on the promenade, which was actually a very, it was, it was nice. It sounds something nice. When you're away from your family. <laughs> a couple of years before they did caroling on the promenade and they're all sitting there singing with their binders and their notebooks or whatever. And the guests that have obviously chosen to be on that ship sure. for a reason for yeah. Christmas, they're walking by enjoying the caroling and singing. And all of a sudden they see out of the corner of the eye, they see this woman just like darting down the promenade, like running super fast. Okay. And they're singing, you're like, oh, come all ye faithful. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this policeman just jumps on this woman <laughs> and tackles her down. <laughs> and she got carried away to the to the cruise jail wow. because she was shoplifting on the promenade on Christmas. On Christmas. Well, maybe it was a Christmas present. Maybe she was trying to buy a Christmas present. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe it was you for don't the know. officer. Maybe. It could have been. All right. <laughs> I just have one more question about your book before we move on to my synopsis. It's called The Twelve Slays of Christmas. Do we have the full 12 murders in this book? No, and that is very misleading. There what are the heck? twelve. It, it starts on the twelfth day, and you would think every day new murder, yeah. but that does not come into play. I mean, the title would have worked at any point if there are three murders. You could just say, like, on the third sleigh of Christmas, right there. I mean, that's a good title. Why do you have to say twelve? Yeah. Well, it was all. It was totally wasted on. The, I guess. The, the Were you expecting a serial killer situation? Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. kind of part of the reason why I read it. I love Definitely. serial killers. Yeah. Oh, really? No. <laughs> oh, sorry. All right. My book is called Apple Cider Slaying. It's a cider shop mystery. It is the first in a new series. It's by Julianne Lindsay. I was just going to tell you the synopsis, but it's so full of apple puns on the back that I want to read it to you verbatim, if, if you'll indulge me. Yes, Apples please. are at the core. Mm-hmm. Core? Mm-hmm. Right there. It's Okay. Apples are at the core of the family business run by Winona May Montgomery. Could you say that with your southern accent? Winona May Montgomery. I think I need more in the Winona. 
Winona May Montgomery. Yep, that's it. And Granny Smythe. Hmm. But this Apple. year's crop is unseasonably ripe with murder. Ooh. One rotten apple. Blossom Valley, West Virginia is home to Smythe Orchards, Winnie and her granny's beloved 25-acre farm and family business. But anyway you slice it, it's struggling. Mm -hmm. That's why they're trying to drum up... Is that one? I don't think so. Uh, they're trying to drum up business with the first annual Christmas at the Orchard, a good old-fashioned holiday festival with enough delicious draw to satisfy apple-picking locals and cider-loving tourists alike until the whole endeavor takes a sour turn when the body of Nadine Cooper, Granny's longtime grudge-holding nemesis, <sighs> is, yeah, is found, and this is a little dark, so if you have children listening, please send them out of the room. Granny's longtime grudge-holding nemesis is found lodged in the apple press. Oh! Yeah. Now, with Granny, the number one suspect, Winnie, is hard-pressed, to prove her innocence before the real killer delivers another murder. Oh, and as a bonus, it includes recipes. <laughs> That's the thing. Your book always has recipes. It does. Right? It includes recipes. Yeah, so you can make some of these. Uh, you can make some of these if you want. Now, do you have to include the granny in the cider? Or you do. You do. You do have to. You know the thing with this book? Everyone called this woman granny. Like everyone, the authorities adults they'd be like well what's your granny gonna do or i'm sorry but your granny is under arrest always with the granny like why are you gonna why are you gonna call her granny don't you think that's kind of weird you know what else is kind of weird tell me did you love the golden girls yes that? yes of i'm course. sure you still do i would watch it right now yeah how old do you think rue mcclanahan was in that series oh boy i not as old as you want late 40s probably yeah yeah to 50. yeah it doesn't seem old no oh no no, no. You got a birthday coming up, though, so you're probably thinking about your own mortality. Well, I do got the Rue McClanahan cut this year. Yeah, you do. You do. You're rocking that Rue. I like it. I like it. I would say, you know, here's the thing. Early on in this book, I was like, oh, no, I feel like maybe this book is too good. Like, maybe it's not going to be really fun to talk about because it's just like well, a, that's a, something different. a good mystery. That's what I thought, too. By the time I got to the end, I never had worried. I never needed to worry. <laughs> How long is your book? I know that's such a tacky question. It actually was kind of long. I think this is, it's 312 pages. Wow. Mm -hmm. It was a little on the long side. Mine was 230. Yeah. Which felt, which felt about 30 pages too long. Yeah, I, you could have cut 100 pages out of this book. Absolutely. Only three of those are recipes, so. That's the thing I liked about last year. Did you assign my book last year? I did. Did you suggest it? I suggested it, That one it, yeah. was like 110 pages. Holiday novella, time. yeah. It was, I, I loved that. This yeah. one felt a little lengthy. So yeah. when I said I enjoyed it, um, there were there were times where, of course, I was kind of like, all right, all right, all right. Okay. All right. Bo, let's dive into it. Set the scene for me. How does your book begin? Okay. Well, first of all, so yeah. you did want to know, is there a mistletoe main? Yeah. Oh, yes. No, there is not. Yeah, I figured. But there is a mistletoe in a state in the U.S. Can you imagine, or can you guess which state has a town? Hmm. Is is it our is it our home state? No, it's not too far from our home state. Hmm. Southern, a little bit southern. Oh, is it Indiana? Obviously. Southern. Kentucky. Yeah. Kent Mistletoe, Kentucky. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. got to be a mecca for some people, don't you think? Like you just you got to make the pilgrimage it, to Mistletoe, Kentucky. It, it is now. Yeah. For me, I think so. So, yeah, so this takes place in Mistletoe, Maine, which just, like, obviously sets that whole scene. I mean, yeah. you can imagine what it's like. It's that ideal Christmas town. It's snowy, and it's um not too far from Portland, Maine, which is where our 
heroine hails from. Okay. Well, she's from Mistletoe originally, but she moved to Portland, mm-hmm. and now she's moving back. Oh. So our, the story um, follows a woman named Holly White. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she is... Um, did it said in the description that she had just gotten dumped, right? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So there was a broken engagement at the beginning. Christmas and, Eve. Uh, it was a Christmas Eve wedding. That's harsh. It was, be, it was supposed to be a Christmas Eve wedding. That's cold. And so twelve days before Christmas, essentially, she moves back to Mistletoe. Okay. And um, her parents own the Christmas tree farm. Yeah. And there's this big, big event every year on the Christmas tree farm called Reindeer Game. Okay. And it's basically like seven days before Christmas, not 12 days before Christmas. Mm -hmm. There's activities and games occurring that lead up to Christmas. Okay. You know, the big prize. Yeah, that makes sense. So she's there to kind of help run the farm and stuff and just spend time with her parents. and, um, And it's her first night there that the murder occurs. These books are, are kind of shockingly similar so far, if, if, I, if I may. So, so mine begins here, apple cider slang, right? We have Winona, what is it, Winona Mae Montgomery. No, she goes by Winnie for all of the book, which I really think is a, go by Winona, don't you think? Really? I like Winnie. That, that, Do you? That, I, I mean, it fits. It fits with the Winona, theme. Winona, Winona. I love yeah. the name Winona, but it just, it's, it's, it's a little bit more, I don't know. It's, yeah, Winnie just trips off the tongue. Yeah, you're right. It does. Well... So Winnie is back on the the family Christmas tree. Uh, no, not Christmas tree. That's yours. She's back on the orchard, Smythe right. family orchard, right? And Granny and Grampy Smythe have run this orchard, you know, for many many years. Grampy died about three years ago. Winona has now gone back to college. She's like in her late twenties, and has recently had a bad breakup with Hank, who works for I think it's Extra Mobile. So not Exxon Mobile but extra mobile, right? Mm. So she, I know. So Winnie is recovering from this breakup. She's in college. Granny is kind of like running the orchard into the ground. And Winnie is trying to prop things up a little bit. So it starts on Black Friday. That's when the book begins. I don't know that we ever actually make it to Christmas. Also, spoiler alert. But Winona is there trying to help bolster the apple orchard business past like Thanksgiving, normally when it would shut down. So she's doing this whole like holiday at the orchard, and her dream is to turn their mail pouch barn, which is just a big old barn with an ad for mail pouch cigarettes on the outside of it, which apparently is a thing, just like a mail pouch barn. She wants to turn this into like a year-round cider bar. And I know you're probably wondering, is is a cider bar a real thing? No, it's not. It's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. Well, so, it's just a bar. With cider that sells cider. Yeah, different kinds of cider and, and like sweets strict, and stuff. Strictly cider. Yeah, yes. So she's wanting to turn, she's wanting to like renovate this and turn that into a year-round thing so they can generate income for the orchard all year round. So she's driving around in one of Grampy's many classic cars, okay? One she loves the most is called Sally. And she drives this car all around, and they're like these pristine, you know, 1950s, 1960s cars that, that the family owns. You would think that if they're they're having money trouble, or they're trying to raise money, or they're trying to get a loan, that they might maybe like put those up for collateral or sell them. It is not hardly even touched on that that's what's going to happen. But Yeah, you think that would be the first thing to go. Yeah, you'd think. If you have like not one, but three like vintage cars in like cherry condition that you might you can give one up i think you probably could because you'd sell it for a lot of money but anyway she is having the banker 
Mr. Sherman, who is, uh, he's, he's not great, come out to take a look at the buildings, take a look at the orchard, you know, take a look at the barn that she wants the money for because she's trying to get this loan. So he's out there doing a tour. They see some apple trees are dying, and she's like, well, that's weird. They go out to the mail pouch barn where the apple press is, and who is there but dead Nadine. Granny. No, Granny's fine. Granny's okay. Oh, but okay. this woman is Granny's nemesis, who has already already been seen on the thing, and she's a real she's a real made up. Like she's had some work done, and that's that's a pivotal to the plot. She's had some work done. She dresses, you know, very young. thinks she's thinks she's all that, Bo. She thinks she's all that. Well, maybe she thought she was going for a facelift. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. But she's found dead, and Granny is the prime suspect. And the cops show up, ready to like take Granny to the slammer well yeah that looks bad yeah so only one murder for me so far but it is on a family tree farm so do they say the jig is up granny you're coming with us no but it's implied it's implied heavily (laughs) heavily interesting there are a lot of similarities i I know i hear it so you've just found a body in your book is that right not yet. So it, Holly oh, oh. arrives to town and okay. her parents put her right to work. Yeah. She starts working at the cafe. It's the holidays. The hearth is where um, her mom runs. She owns she, she owns the hearth and she sells cookies okay. and sweets and all these things. And um, it's a nice little cafe. So she's serving her cookies and, mm-hmm. and all the people from town come in. They're like, Holly, you're back. You're back. You know, we missed you. You know, we're sorry about the engagement and all that. And um, Holly mm-hmm. just tries to ignore it. And then she notices Margaret Fenwick. Yeah. Margaret Fenwick is the head of the historical society right. in Mistletoe. Okay. Mistletoe, man. And you can tell that she's a little uptight, you know, yeah. she's a little particular yeah. and a little icy, if you will. Yeah, I will. So, so she comes in and she sits down with the other gals who, you know, tolerate her or her friends. But obviously there's there's some tension there. And Holly notices that right away. She can really feel it. She's been away for so long. She's like, what's going on? Why yeah. is everyone, you know, getting so um, tense around Margaret? Yeah. She has some coarse words with her friend, oh. and then she, she storms out. She storms mm-hmm. out of the hearth, and um, Holly, I think, goes after her because I think she left something, more okay. or less, or wants to get something to her. And she's outside, and all of a sudden she hears a scream, mm-hmm. and Holly runs over to okay. this like this sleigh that's set in the front of the Reindeer Games Park as okay. kind of a, a display. Yeah, And a girl has found... Margaret Fenwick laying inside of the sleigh with a stake, not driven through her, but I guess was she was bludgeoned over the head with. Bludgeoned with a stake? Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Seems, that seems like a missed opportunity. I but wonder if it, the intention was to have it like be driven through her and somebody at like this you know, publisher was like, we can't have that kind of violence. I mean, my lady yeah. was in an apple press, for heaven's sake, so... Well, I they mean, didn't have the same publisher. I guess so. Anything goes at Kensington Publishing. Well, this one, uh, this one definitely strays from any to uh, any um, course topic. Or okay. Any kind of like Good. You know, any 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 kind of you know sticky situation. So, yeah. so yeah, Ali essentially finds the body and is uh, instantly involved in the center of the story. Okay. Um, she's basically ruled out as a suspect right away. Oh, that's good. Because she's the lead of the you know lead of the lead of the show. Yeah. 
But her father, however, is a prime suspect because I guess Margaret Fenwick wanted to, there was some regulation on the fencing that her father had just put up that wasn't okay. code or, you know, it was like very particular about keeping, the, the preserving this town the way it was originally intended to be. So if things aren't to code, you know, she's going to have some words. Oh, sure. So basically, you know, the police are like, well, it was him because she tried to put the kibosh on his fence. Yeah, of course. And basically, this is when we meet Sheriff Gray. Yeah. Who is the what? The hunky. Oh, okay. All right. So basically, the uh, Mr. White is the prime suspect to okay. begin with. And then Holly works really hard to exonerate him very quickly, yep. I have mm-hmm. to say. And mm-hmm. he becomes not so much a, a suspect. Oh, that was that was sort of made very prominent in the synopsis of the book. That's not a thing. Not really. Okay. I have to say, like, it doesn't, you, you start to really trust the mother and father right away. I, hmm. my bet was on the mother. Ah. Uh. then I was like, as squeaky clean as this book is, they're not going to make the mother. Yeah. <laughs> After she's been, like, the, the sole support. I was really right. kind of hoping for it. That would have been a nice twist. Like, yeah, it would have been, been brutal. really nice yeah. twist. Really have to confront something there. Uh, but spoiler alert, I don't think it's her. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, let's see. So... At the apple cider thing, of course, this is like this is the very worst time for this kind of thing to happen to Winnie because she and the banker discover the body together, and so he's like, "Ooh, I don't know if I want to like be giving you money." And of course, like nobody wants to hang out at an apple orchard where a lady was just killed in an apple press, so it's not good for business. It's not good. Can for I business. ask a question? Yes, did please. You, did you explain this? Why does this woman and the granny have have beef? Like, what's their issue? It's not. They don't really go into it. It's just that they like they've known each other for decades, and they've always just kind of like not gotten along. It's just okay. always been one of them is mad at the other one. You know, it's they just they do not like each other. They are well known. They're nemesis. Why do you say that? Nemesis. I have to ask my wife. She's an nemesis. Yeah, I think you got it. I think you got it. Yeah. So it's just a well known fact. And Nadine, the dead woman, was just seen at the orchard prior to this, looking all over for Granny. And so you don't really know if Granny and Nadine ever had their conversation. But suddenly, uh, Colton Wise shows up, and he's guess what? The hunky Honestly. sheriff. He's the hunky sheriff in this town. What? Yes. Yes. And Winnie right away is like, how dare you accuse Granny of this? But Colton, and he's like, she, he, he says she can call him Colton. That's fine. She doesn't have to call him sheriff. She can, can call him Colton. That's cool. Well, very casual. It's casual. It's just it's casual murder in a small town. Where um, does it take place? It's in West Virginia. It's in Blossom Valley, West Virginia. Is that a real place? I don't know. You want to check that? Yeah, okay, you can do some fact checking. So Winnie is like, you gotta, you gotta be looking at other suspects. And Colton, Sheriff Colton Wise, is like, listen, they hate each other. She was here. She was looking for your granny, and he calls her granny, of course. So like, your granny is definitely the one who does it. So like, right away, Winnie is like, all right, I'm a sleuth now, and I'm gonna go find out other people who had beef with this woman. So she goes off to this, uh, she goes to work. She works at the Sip and Sup, a restaurant called the Sip and Sup. It's where you both, you can sip and you can sup uh, in whatever order you want. And she has her ex, Hank, who works for the oil company, comes in and they have a pretty spectacular blowout about their relationship, which you never really get into. You never really learn like why they broke up and why things are so bad between them. So I don't know if they're saving that uh, for one of the, Later books. In the later books, this is off topic, but the later books are expertly named. Okay. This one's just called Apple Cider Slang. The sequel is called Pulp Friction. Ooh, whoa. So there's your Travolta right there. Yeah. And the third book, Cider Shop Rules. 
What? So that's too. That's a little too close. That's too much for you. Okay. Well. Well, come on. That's one word. You're different. right. You're right. Well, so is pulp friction, for that matter. That's yeah. one letter. That's you just added an R. <laughs> that's all you got to do. At least pulp fiction is sort of a. Uh, dark comedy. True. Cider House Rules is kind of, that's touchy stuff. Oh, you're right. You're right, actually. that's a... <laughs> we, we don't need to play on that. No, you they, you're right. That's not cool. In hindsight, yeah. that's not cool. So she has yeah. this big blowout with Hank. And so right away, like, there's a volatile thing with Hank, and they want you to know that he works for the oil company. And so you just kind of wonder, like, is he the love interest? Is he a suspect? Is he involved in some way? You don't know. You don't know. She finds out that Nadine, this woman, had a... She had a she goes with like a hiking group. And so Winnie goes on this like hiking group and is just sort of like trying to play it cool. And she finds out that the guide got into a thing with Nadine. And so she goes and basically accuses him and he explains that it was just like a minor thing and it's still kind of a weird situation. And so at this point you're like, so is this hiking guide? Let's call him Derek. Is this hiking guide Derek? <laughs> Is he a suspect? He is a hunky hiking guy. Yeah. Is he a suspect where they may be doing it? You don't know. You don't know. Wait, Derek and Nadine. Derek and Nadine. You kind of wonder if maybe they had a yeah, if they had a thing going on. But I'm just going to tell you right now because I think it's important for you to know. Derek never shows up again, and it's never addressed ever again. It's this one scene thing. So this, they don't like flushing out the stories of these men very no. well. No. And it's, a, it's one of the weaknesses of the book is that like every character you run into has like a name and a personality. And when you're reading a mystery, like every time you kind of file that away and it's like, no, that's irrelevant. That was just, that could have just been shopkeeper number one. You know, he doesn't need a name. They didn't take very good notes as they were writing. Maybe. No, no. When you were doing shows where you were just in the chorus, if you happened to get assigned a name, were you excited about that? Uh, Sydney Purvis. Sydney Purvis, yeah, that's right. I remember I was doing 42nd Street at that same theater, and I was just chorus because I really whiffed that audition. If we're being honest, I whiffed that audition. But I then I got With to be the I know. Then I got to be the waiter, so I had a thing where I came out and was what like, have? "Yeah, what do you have?" Yeah, so like I still I still got a little <laughs> bit of a play. But anyway, Derek is basically that kind of role. It's it's your Sydney Purvis. It's your 42nd Street waiter. You walk on, you walk off, but he has a name. And so that makes you think that he's important, but ultimately he's not important in the least. Some cats come into play, and I'm going to tell you about that right now, and then I want to hear what's going on with your book. Oh, uh, Winnie's friend Dot always is always rescuing cats, and she doesn't want to get attached to the cats, so she names all of the cats Kenny Rogers. And so she's like, I've got two... <laughs> <laughs> look at these look at these that little sounds a little unstable this is kenny rogers and winnie's like well, which one and she's like they're both kenny rogers I, I call all my cats kenny rogers which two things about that one it's funny you yeah. know it's funny but it number is. two if they're best friends how does she not know that all of this woman's cats names are kenny rogers how is that new information how has that never come up before yeah so She's not a very good friend. No. So Winnie, in the midst of trying to be a full-time college student, non-traditional, because she's like 28, uh, trying to open her own... <laughs> That's true. Try, trying to open her own cider bar, trying to prove that her granny is not a murderer, and just trying to keep her head above water, agrees to take two special needs cats named Kenny Rogers. Why not? So she takes these cats in, and she's getting up at all all hours in the night, feeding them with a with a um, you know like a syringe, so these cats don't die. She decides that the girl one is going to be Dolly Parton. So for the rest of the for the rest of the book, you have Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. So, 
which made me feel Christmassy because that Kenny Rogers Dolly Parton Christmas CD is gold. It's magic. What's that song they sing together? Come away with me yeah. to another yeah. place. Yeah. You can rely That's on Islands in the Stream. Time. Islands in the Stream, weirdly enough, written by the Bee Gees. So, oh, that yeah. makes all sense. You learn something here on House Things. You do. I never so, don't. So she gets the cats. She names one Dolly, one Kenny Rogers. She takes the cats to the vet. It's a whole side story with these cats. And I'm just like, why? Why are we doing this with the cats? Don't tell me the cats don't come into play later either. Well, I'm not going to tell you anything about the cats. But I was very suspicious that these cats were just going to be... Because you, ha- you have cats on the cover, so we got to throw some cats in, in this story. But, so do the cats have southern accents? I, I believe they do, but un- you see, there was no cat co-author. There's no Sneaky Pie Brown influence here, so you don't hear the cats' dialogue. I'm really curious as to when the recipes come into play. Okay, so Winnie has adopted the cats. She has had a follow-up with the banker, Mr. Sherman. There's also a hunky, like, junior loan officer named Jake, who Dot has her eyes on, even though Dot is significantly older than Jake. Could he ever love an older woman? We'll see. Is she a non-traditional cat owner? No, she's pretty traditional when it comes to owning cats. Yeah, I think I think she fits it. She's got the sweaters and everything, so yeah, she's fine. She's fine. So that's kind of where we are, you know? Sheriff Colton Wise, who you don't really know. I, I like, suspected this sheriff as, like, a villain because he had just had a weird vibe. But I think he was just sexy. I think that was it. That was the weird vibe I was picking up on. They're all sexy. And I, well, yeah. I, I forgot the name of the town, West, or something, Blossom, right? Blossom Valley, West Virginia, yeah. So there's not a Blossom Valley, but there's um, a Blossom Lane. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, there's no, yeah, there's no Blossom name to West Virginia town. So we're both living in um, fictional towns. Alternates, yeah. I wonder if there's a Blossom Valley, Kentucky. That'd be interesting. <laughs> so that's where my guys are. Granny is still the number one suspect. Winnie is trying to whittle them down. Granny's trying to figure out what's going on. We've adopted two cats. The sheriff is a hunk. The mystery wow, continues. Wow, wow. Yep. wow, 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 wow. It's picking up over it is. there. Yeah, it is. Picking up steam. So basically, after Holly White is not inter- is it interviewed when you're when when the sheriff is interrogating, I guess. Yeah, when yeah. Interrogated. Yeah. You know, um, she's cleared as a suspect, and she's kind of like debriefing back at the hearth. And um, yeah. we meet some characters. We meet uh, Cookie, who is my favorite character. Okay. She is a woman. I'm thinking in her mid sixties who was this close to becoming a rock cat. At the radio really? Oh, that's hall. close. So she's kind of like that showgirl statuesque yeah. kind of vibe. Get it. So she didn't make it as a rock cat, but she did make it as a showgirl in Las Vegas. That's cool. Where she made her own costumes. Las Vegas or, oh. Re- or Reno? Well, it sounded kind of Reno because she had okay. to make her own costume. Yeah, that doesn't sound like, like Vegas. Even in Las Vegas, they would have somebody else. I think they'd costume. provide that. Yeah, I do. Because she's very good at... Um, stitching and um okay. she's just very crafty and very creative and she's just a character you sure know? Like, we cookie. love her we love her i, I she's a, a, a basically like a rich housewife in town and she's always around so yeah. she just has like money and she loves to like she cracks jokes she's yeah. like you know on a one horse open sleigh you know it's always like a punchline <laughs> i don't know like, she sounds she's fun she's yeah fun. yeah and then we also meet caroline who can i ask you I'm, I'm so sorry to interrupt can i ask no. you who would you cast as cookie if this was a movie Oh, good question. Are we talking like a Bette Midler type? Are we talking a Cher? A little bit of both. Okay. So like, a, more, so like Sharon Stone. Yeah, Sharon Stone with gray hair. Okay. Yeah, that, 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 that you know, that, that, just think statuesque. Okay, I know? will. Yeah, I will. Okay. So we got Sharon Stone and then uh, 
Holly's friend from high school, Caroline, comes in, and she's kind of that stereotypical like sorority girl, blonde, yeah. and happy. Yeah. And um, her parents were very controlling and had her whole life planned out for her, but she doesn't want to do what her parents want her to do. Mm-hmm. She wants to, you know, um, she wants to live her own life, and basically, yeah. she wants to do its own. She wants to own a cupcake shop. Yeah. But she works at the bakery downtown. She, mm. she secretly wants her own um, cupcake shop. We meet Caroline because while in town, after Holly has gone through the whole interviewing and everything, she goes to different shops around town basically to like pick up her wedding dress yeah. and then send it to a consignment That's store. That's harsh, yeah. It's, 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 it's tough. And then she goes to the um, bakery to cancel her you know, her wedding cake and try to get the deposit back, but they don't allow it. But mm. Carolyn gives her some free cupcakes anyway. That's nice. So we're starting to meet people like slowly after the event. In the meantime, the sheriff is closing down reindeer games. We are not open this season. Mm. And that is devastating for the whites because that's yeah. their income. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they, it, it's much like the cider house rules. Yeah. That <laughs> we don't joke about that. Open. We don't joke about that. <laughs> Cider, what was it? Cider, cider it's rock apples, rules. apple cider slaying is the name of this book. So basically, <laughs> it's seasonal. You know, okay. it's like the Rockettes. Yeah, there's there's a, it's high stress, and and so Holly's kind of taking it upon herself to make sure that they can at least open up again. Okay, she she kind of works it out that like a lot of times she's <laughs> this is so this is so not possible. Okay, but like a hunky sheriff will be there, and she yeah. Goes, go for a walk and talk about this and she'll lead them away while secretly her parents are like opening up the heart to have people come in. Uh, I see. And kind of like still open up. Okay. Like, they, would, they would put, you know, they'd, I would, close they'd be, there'd be some tape. There'd be a deputy yeah. probably. A sexy so deputy maybe. Definitely sexy. Okay. And there is a deputy. I don't think he is. He's not there. He's a five, maybe, Barney maybe Fife situation. Wrong. Okay. Yeah, definite Barney Fife. Okay. So I think that what Holly, I, I know what Holly's trying to do because I read the book. And yeah. I lived, in, I, I lived her life for the You did. Yeah. Yeah. She's just basically trying to romance him to just prove that they're good people and they can keep it open because this is sure. like, this is their life. Yeah. I mean, come on. More or less, she does romance him. He agrees to keep it open with some conditions that he's basically just always going to be around, which, okay. uh, Ah oh, darn! Yeah, you know, yeah. To see the hunky, broad-shouldered, blue-eyed. Guess he's gonna be there. Yeah, dreamboat that he is. So those are the conditions. He's got to be around. He he is. We meet some of those characters in the hearth. We meet some of them downtown as she's like doing her business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Basically now, now that she's got her parents' business running strong, now she's gonna get to the bottom of this. Murder. Yeah. Because Margaret Fenwick didn't deserve it, and um, Holly's a, she's a do-good kind of gal, mm-hmm. and she's dead set on figuring out who this is. So along the way, we meet some people that knew Margaret mm-hmm. um, very well. One of the gals that was at the diner that day that Margaret um, was murdered is Paula. I can't remember her last name, but she owns the Maple Tree Forest. Oh, Maple okay. Maple Tree um, Farm, I guess. Wow, store. lumber people. You Lots know, You know what? People. This library was built with lumber. David A. Howe was a lumber baron. So it all kind of comes together. It ties in. And that's Christmas. It's a Christmas miracle. Absolutely. (laughs) So basically, Paula and Margaret were kind of, I want to say, like Nadine and Granny. Okay. A little bit like sure. that. Yeah. So that so that's a that's a, a good bet, right? Yeah, that yeah. Paula, Paula has sort of an ulterior motive. I forgot to mention she did leave before Margaret. Okay. Left the okay. diner. So you know she her mm. alibi her alibi is not airtight. Okay. Holly has a very intense interaction with Paula, and right okay. away she's like she did it. You know she's like this yeah. is our, our gal. This is this has got to be so. 
So meanwhile, you get the you get the impression that she's she has a lot of irons in the fire. Holly. Okay. She's a, yeah, yeah. She's a, she's a busy body. Sure. And, um, people are starting to notice, particularly the sheriff. Yeah. He's getting he's getting perturbed. He's like, yeah. you gotta let me do this. Wow. I'm the man. Wow. You know, I'm sure. the man. You're yeah. the woman. Yeah, yeah. I do the work. Yes. So that's basically the vibe that I get from all the roles in this town. Okay. Except for Cookie. Cookie runs the show. She's doing her own she thing. runs her husband. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's, she's She's the lead of that story. So yeah, we got Paula, we got Cookie, we got Caroline, mom and dad, and um, the sheriff. So then we have a few more characters coming up, but I want to hear more about sure. um, Blossom Lane. Well, we're in kind of an expanse of nothing. I feel like the middle of this book is just like one big vamp, because Winnie decides pretty early on that she's still going to do this big holiday festival, because they can't afford not to. And she still wants to pursue her apple cider bar, which again, to be clear, is very much not a thing in real life. So she's still... <laughs> <laughs> she's still pushing forward with all of this stuff and she's really trying to like she's trying to get the heat off granny you know and granny's trying to as well so we do we do some more rounds we do some more rounds trying to figure out there's an old farmer farmer bentley i want to say whose property so nadine and granny smythe's property border each other and farmer bentley is like the other farm so they all are kind of like in the same zone and so he was acting kind of weird and so you're kind of wondering like Okay, so is this like 70 plus year old man behind this somehow? Like, is he trying to get this land for some reason? And you just, you don't really know. So he's kind of like working in the background. It's not really a character, but it keeps coming up. And it so, she, for me. yeah, so she's, Winnie is suggesting this to Sheriff Colton Wise. And again, just call him Colton. That's fine. So they're getting closer, but he's like, I don't want, I don't want to have to worry about you. So you let me do the police work and you stay out of this and you just go to college and open your apple bar you know and so very similar to your situation same relationship so we've we make the rounds we take we take kenny rogers and dolly parton to the vet uh the vet offers to buy one of the cars he was the grandpa's best friend and helped work on the cars he wants to oh. buy one of the cars which would solve all of her problems not interested she's not Wait, in, she's, not, she's interested. not interested she doesn't want to sell the car no it's her car i thought it was her grandpa's car yeah, well, it's her, but it's grandpa's dead grandpa's dead so yeah you know, she could. Uh, we go and we visit uh, Nadine's plastic surgeon, which seems kind of mean to include in the book. You really want to know that the lady who died has had work done. Substantial well, she work. Had it coming. I guess, yeah. I guess that's she what you're led to what? believe. Well, on the property, Nadine is not Nadine. Nadine's dead. Nadine's long dead. On the property, mm -hmm. Winnie, yes, thank you, is alone. And she's like looking again. She's looking at the old mail pouch barn. She's looking at the trees that are hurt. She's alone in this room, and some of this big, like, cloaked figure, like, you can't make out who it is, like, runs at her to, like, scare her, like, knock her down and stuff. And it's kind of like a vague warning. Because, like, <laughs> maybe. There's, like, this vague warning. And then a little later, she's somewhere else, and she gets a note on her car window that just says, like, leave it alone, you know. So the cops Wait, are... this is the same story. Really? Yeah. So, so, the cops are, uh, so the cops are really, like, kind of zeroing, and they're like, okay, well, obviously your granny is not trying to kill you, so we can kind of rule her out. But something's going down, and the sheriff is very much like, you have to be careful. I couldn't stand for something to happen to you. <laughs> so so that's kind of where we're at at this point she's continuing to look it out hank remains sort of a uh a, a looming figure the ex-boyfriend with a past who works for the oil company he's this kind of looming presence and you don't really know much about him but it keeps coming up so you're kind of wondering like 
what is Hank hiding, you know? Meanwhile, Mr. Sherman is very reluctant to give her money for this cider barn, even though she's like, you know, it's just my own thing. You don't have to invest in the cider business. And Granny's like, you know, we can get a surveyor. We can hack, hack off some of the land and I'll just deed it to her so it's not connected to the other business. All these things that like, it really is a pretty good bet for the bank to make. And he just, he doesn't want to. He's really like dragging his feet and... Who wants to invest in a cider bar? I know. Yeah, a year-round cider bar. But again, do you really have to invest? Because they already own the property, and they already have, like, a business, and they already have several, like, pristine Model Ts, like, in the garage. So do you really need this bank? But He's not convinced. He's not convinced. And Jake, the hunky junior loan officer, uh, he and Dot seem to be getting a little closer, and he's trying to put in a good word with the older farmer. Is it bad to say I don't care about that relationship? No, it's not bad at all. I don't care either. <laughs> so things things amp up a little bit here. So I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this amp up, and then uh, it's going to be a to be continued. Okay. So we've had we've had some issues. Uh, the sheriff goes out and is is looking for something, and they run into each other, and they end up going to a nice little diner. And the waitress is like, "Oh, what a great place for a date." She's like, "It's not a date." But then she's also mad that the waitress is hitting on the sheriff, and he's like, well, you said it wasn't a date. <laughs> you know. Oh, anyway, they get back, and the mail pouch barn is on fire. There's a oh, fire. No. So they run out there, and like written, like scraped into the floor, it just says, strike two. Oh, I was going to say, you're next. To be continued. All right, so dun, dun, so take dun. me back to Mistletoe, Maine. I, mean, I think you basically just explained my book. Did I? Okay. <laughs> I think we're good. Wow. Um, no. Um, so Holly just had an interaction with Paula, very curt, very short, very suspicious. Yeah. What she said, um, I can't remember. Okay. But basically, she's... Oh, it was another control aspect where Margaret was trying to control, I think the bridge outside of um, the bridge outside of the, that led up to the tree farm that Paula owned was compromised because of Margaret. And so that just pissed her off. Yeah. You know? Just, you know. Okay. Typical small town issues. Yeah. So Holly's on her way back and I forgot how, I think like she's walking back at this point. Okay. She's walking country roads and this truck stops and this guy rolls on the window. He's like, hey, Holly White, you're back in town. So basically who this guy is, a guy supposedly that went to high school with Holly. He was a freshman when she was a senior, but he had such a crush on her. Oh, sure. And yeah. now she's back. Wow. And she's single and he's pretty cute. Yeah. So here we go. So we got this inter- interaction. He basically is like, come get in my car and I'll drive mm-hmm. you back. And she's mm-hmm. like, I don't even know you. I'm not going right. to do that. That's creepy. But okay, I will. Oh, she does. So okay. She, of course. All right. So she gets in and um, they're chatting, they're catching up. And basically he lives with his mom right now because his dad passed away and um, his mom's not doing well now either. So he's basically taking care of her. Yeah. But he's um, still living in town. What are you up to? You know, and she explains, you know, uh, my husband left me for a 20-year-old yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. Or my, my, my boyfriend left me for a 20-year-old yoga instructor a couple of weeks before our wedding. So I moved back to Mistletoe. But I never really wanted to leave. Sure. I never really wanted to leave here. Yeah. I'm very happy to be back, you know, all yeah. this other stuff. So basically now he's kind of seeing that she's single. Oh, yeah. She's back. Yeah. And, she's um, 30 and flirty. And in 30 and flirty, and he asked her a little bit about like the the murder that took place on her parents' farm, and she's like, "Oh, I don't really want to talk about this, but this is what happened. I found the body." 
And then something happens where she like moves something and then a badge falls down. Oh. He is not a badge, but like a lanyard. Okay. He is basically the mistletoe press. Uh, uh, but she basically just gave an interview. Oh no. And so now she feels totally betrayed and like he took advantage yeah. of her and she's like, Well, you can't use any of this. He's like, I wouldn't dare. So you now you're like, is he gonna start spreading rumors? Is he is he can she trust him, basically, yeah. is where where we're at. Okay. So he drops her. He drops her off, and she, of course, went shopping and has all these bags and stuff. And mm-hmm. She goes to her. She's staying at the guest house on the property. Oh, fancy! So she like she unpacks all her stuff, all her goodies, and is because um, she's gonna read the Count of Monte Cristo, and that kind of comes oh, into play quite a bit. I like that story. Because you, Holly, and Sheriff Gray all like that. All story. three of us do. Because ah. she was, she was, um, she noticed that Sheriff Gray had that. I think in his car. I wow. Think drive her somewhere she's getting hmm. rides by everybody apparently town. yeah and so she was curious as to why he read it so mm-hmm. she um she's picking that book up so she's reading and her her, her cat cindy lou who is on her lap and i mean it's so christmasy it's like <laughs> yeah so yeah it's that kind of like sweetness so let, um, let me ask you this because the count of money grisco grisco because the count of money cristo yeah, is really a <laughs> <laughs> it's really a story of uh, revenge. It's about, you know, getting revenge on those who have wronged you. Is that a plot point in this book? Is revenge a plot point in what 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 is this book called? Twelve uh, Slayings of Christmas. Of Christmas. Twelve Slayings of Christmas. Is, is revenge a plot? Yes. Um, I guess I honestly I didn't know kind of Monte Cristo, so that's good to know. Um honestly it's led to think that, but the payoff ends up not so much. Hmm. I'd say the payoff of this book is just not so much. Little. But that's getting ahead of myself. Okay. So let me let me get to this bit. So she's in her house. She's yeah. finally like kind of settled in her new place. She's feeling good. That's nice, like you. So a lot yeah, of yeah. a lot of parallels to your current life right Honestly, now. Honestly, my parents' Christmas tree farm. Like, yeah. It's all coming yeah. together. What is um, the what's the local sheriff like? Maybe you should look into that. Um, I'm trying not to find out. Honestly. Yeah. Probably it's for the best. To, yeah, for many reasons. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now is really not the time to be meeting new people. Either. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Wear a mask, definitely. Maybe in a maybe in a fairy book world. Yeah, a fairy tale fairy tale world, mm-hmm. which, which I feel like we're in in Mistletoe. Yeah. yeah. So she's laying. She's like laying on the couch. She's in this idyllic little area. I think she takes a nap. She's always falling asleep because she works hard. And yeah. then she um she gets up and she uh, I think she's going to like meet her mom and dad or something. And then she sees in the yard. Mm-hmm. Four stakes. Oh, oh. Set up. And Somebody was murdered. House, yeah. And they said, um, you better stop what you're doing. Oh. Basically, the same sentiment. Similar. Similar. What was, the, what was the note that was written on? One was leave it alone, and one was strike two. Basically, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Strike two, yeah. Okay. So she's, right. she's, getting, she's getting a very clear signal here. Okay. All right. So that's now, where I'll leave off. My, my book escalates at this point. A lot of things happen really quick after not many things happening at all. <laughs> so we've had several incidents now. More and more, Farmer Bentley is really starting to look suspicious, even though nobody really thinks that he's, like, capable of murder. And again, he's elderly. So but he's re- also... Isn't, does he own a lumber yard? He doesn't own a lumber yard, no, but he owns like the fa- the big farm that borders the property of the woman who was murdered and Granny Smythe. So, well, listen, if, if he can if he can run a farm, he can pick a woman up and throw her in the wood chipper. That's true. It was an apple press, but your point is well made. He's starting to look more and more suspicious. All right, so that's really where everybody is headed. All right, so. Something happens and the sheriff goes out to investigate and suddenly it's like, yes, it's definitely him. And they go out there and guess what? 
dead. Oh, the sheriff. Or no, Farmer Bentley, dead. dead. Uh, Someone murdered him. He's been murdered. Are you saying Bentley or Bentley? Bentley, like a car. I like, I like that, yeah. You like that? Okay. A lot of cars playing into this. You're right. That's true. Yeah. So she's still, Winnie's like, all right, well, that was my prime suspect. So like, now I really don't know what's going on. And I also really want to get this loan for my Apple bar. <laughs> so following up with the banker again. And he's like, lady, I just, can we please, you know? And she's like, no, you really have to. The, back at the homestead, she starts like smelling something, right? It's like at night and she's like, I'm hearing noises. I'm smelling, it's like gasoline. Somebody's riding a four wheeler around her house squirting lighter fluid like all around the house okay and she's like ah! you know inside so she's she's calling sheriff beefsteak you know and she's like you got to get out here somebody's and he's like don't go out don't you go out there i i can't i nothing will happen to you. you yeah so he's driving out there you know and he's almost there granny who's really not been much of a player in this book i'm not gonna lie to you granny's not been a big yeah, part of this been up to? granny goes out in her house coat with her shotgun who's named bess and is threatening this person on the four-wheeler and she's got him you know she's got him like held and winnie on the phone to colton call him colton he's a sheriff she's like should i go out there and help granny and he's like no you can't risk yourself i can see i can see your house i'm almost there so he comes around the corner, the headlights come, Granny looks at the headlights, four-wheeler guy, revs it up, and drives the four-wheeler right into Granny. What? Yes, 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 what? he does, yes, he does. Does she go flying? She does, she really does. And so he takes off, Winnie's running over, and she's like, it's all my fault, I was asking too many questions, you know. She gets to Granny, Colton does not go after the murderer. He comes oh, and is Colton like, is sheriff, he's right? the sheriff. Yeah. He comes and he's like, I can't, nothing. I need to protect you. And she's like, why didn't you go after the guy? And he's like, you're my first priority. Because they love each other, you know. And I guess maybe I should stop there because I'm pretty much at the at the ending now. Oh, man. I'm close. Okay. All right. Well, I had hoped so if yeah. Granny took a tumble. She did, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I can't, I mean, I, I can't stand it. So. I know. I know. All right. So, um so we got the stakes and then Holly freaks out her mom and dad, like call her over. She's like, you have to stay at our house. It's too dangerous over there. At, like 20 feet away at this guest house, you know, um, they're really concerned for her. Obviously the sheriff is also very disappointed, yeah. like yeah, not disappointed, but wants to protect her. Sure. And also disappointed because she's been a bit of a busybody. Mm. So basically they inspect the area. They can't figure anything out. We're just letting that one. Well, we're letting that one slide. There will be another offense. I'm sure. Yeah. She decides to do some sleuthing while they kind of investigate that. She's always like, it's kind of that same, it's that same thing. Like something terrible happens to Winnie and then she's like, but, but my loan, you know? And like, yeah, she's right, like, right. Yeah, she's got the, the other to. thing. Yeah, she does. Yeah, we got to keep going. I forgot how she gets into this, but she decides like, okay, well, while I have the time, I might as well Google. So she's like, <laughs> <laughs> so she's researching like historical society, um, like preservation of this town, their website. She's, you know, she sees Margaret on the website and then um, she sees like all the things that the town has done. Like they restored the windmill recently, thanks to a grant from this other preservation, um, historical preservation society out in California. Like yeah. Exact opposite. Uh, okay. Course, for whatever reason. So she's like, hmm, okay. So there's obviously grant money coming Again, with grant money. Yeah, you need it. You have to have it for that business. 
for any of these stories. Yeah. So she calls this um, historical society and she's basically like, she's like, oh, I'm going to pretend to be from the mistletoe. Uh, oh, good idea. She's, she's kind of bad at lying. She flubs it up a little bit, but she gets through it. And then yeah. basically they give her the information that, um, that they they gave the they gave the loan money for the uh, windmill, but they couldn't grant the other loan that was oh. um, requested for the town. So okay. she's like, okay, well, they were requesting two loans from the same place, and it just seems to be like a bit of miscommunication. Right. Yeah. So basically, her next thing is like, well, I'm just going to go down to the historical society and see what's going on down mm-hmm. there. So she goes down. She meets um, this uh, character. Um, Oh gosh, what was his last name? Bo Waddell. <laughs> it isn't. It's Bo Waddell. So she meets <laughs> Bo Waddell, and he's moved into Margaret Fenwick's office. Okay. He's like already taken over, and he's uh-huh. like, hey, it's "My spot. I, oh. I work here now. I'm oh, moving wow. on up." Okay. <laughs> so um, that's gonna be stuck in my head all week. <laughs> so uh, basically, they have. Uh, she has some questions. He doesn't answer, and it's a, it's a dead end. There, she's not getting from any information from him. In fact, he's going out of town. So, um, so he won't be able to like okay. uh, he won't be able to cater to her needs well, no, anymore. Of course not. So, so that's very suspicious, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. This guy that's kind of taken over her office, and yeah. uh, all of a sudden going to go out of town um, during an investigation. So basically, Holly's like, "Okay, I'm going to leave this project now. Now we got to get ready for reindeer game." Mm. So now she has to help her parents set up for all these games. And okay. Basically, it's like one night's bingo. Sure. With like a holiday edge. One night is building and decorating okay. uh, gingerbread houses. Yes. And then there's like a sleigh ride competition who Cookie enters mm. um, Holly and Sheriff Gray in. And they end up going on a sleigh ride together. Very romantic. Oh, that is romantic, their, yeah. Their bodies are pressed up against each other. Well, you have to be. You got to keep warm. Right. And then this leads to the next moment that she goes, all right, everything's fine. I'm going to go back to my house. Right. So she goes back to the guest house. She's been working a lot and she's tired again. She's going to okay. take a nap. All right. She's going to go to dinner with her mom and dad later that night, but she just wants to take a quick nap. And then she's dreaming that there's in the this blizzard and she's getting blown away and the cat is like clinging to her oh, no. and she's just trying to fight for it. Like it, it could be a metaphor for everything, right? So she wakes up and she's freezing. Right. And she's like, okay, well, I guess I wasn't dreaming this, but it's actually freezing. Okay. And she looks around and every window in her house is open, mm-hmm. including the door and every like like the cold air is brushing in. Okay. And then um she finds a um she finds a, a matchbox on, okay. on the windowsill with like a sign hanging down from it. Not the windowsill, but the um, oh. the mantle. Yeah. So she reads the sign and it says, I mean it. Or something like that. Or like it's so anticlimactic. Okay. I mean Maybe it. Like, I mean it. <laughs> Yeah, like st- like back off. I mean, it. this is your strike two moment. Thank you. Okay, this is the strike two moment. All yeah. right, so Granny is in the hospital. Winnie is still like, we are doing this holiday festival. We don't have a choice. We need the money. We're doing this holiday festival, and gosh darn it, if I'm not going to open my apple cider bar. But she starts looking in more to to Farmer Bentley, who, as it turns out, had been buying up a lot of property, and so like that's weird. And so then she starts thinking about the oil company and Hank and like maybe the oil company was interested in the property. Maybe there was like something going on with that. We we don't really know. Okay, we're not really sure what's what's going on here. Winnie gets a call from Mr. Sherman, the banker, who is like, look, we have to I just want to close this. So why don't you just come in? And she pretty much knows that he's going to turn her down. So she's like, how about instead, after work, you come to the big Christmas festival and you'll see how everything is and how great it is and everything like that. Uh, And he's like, okay, fine. I'll come to the big festival. Cut to the day of the festival. 
right? Everybody's there, Mr. Sherman, Hank, Colton, the sheriff, Dot and Jake, who are very much a thing at this point, uh, are all at the festival. I know you were, you were rooting for them. Winnie has to go out to get something else. She heads that way just as she starts to put some things together when there's a gun pointed at her head. And guess Hold who on. it is? I'm... Yeah. Granny. You think it's Granny? Granny's still in the hospital. Yeah. It's not Granny. It couldn't be Dot. No, it's not Dot. Is it the farmer? Dead. Dead. I know, but maybe he's not really dead. No, he's is really it the dead. the plastic surgeon? No, it's not the plastic surgeon. I have no idea. It's the banker. Oh, my God. It was Mr. Sherman what? the whole time. That was my initial reaction. I don't know why I didn't remember him. I know. Yeah, you got away from it. It was not my initial reaction. I really, I was not there when this big reveal happened. So, of course, he ties her to a chair and he has, like, the supervillain monologue. When basically what was going down this whole time was that the oil company is, like, putting the heat on Mr. Sherman to sort of use his inside banking knowledge to find out, like, what properties they could get at a good price. And they're kind of blackmailing him, and they're kind of saying he'll have a payout because apparently he has a massive gambling debt, which has never been introduced in the entirety of the narrative. That it's Mr. So Sherman mad. has any—he's never had a personal life. There's never been anything about this man, <laughs> other than he's a banker and he doesn't want to give her the loan, right? So all of this is completely new information. So she's like, "So what? What does this have to do with Nadine?" Well, Farmer Bentley kind of figured this out, right? And he had warned Nadine that this was happening. And Farmer Bentley had been buying up the properties. He basically liquidated his life savings to buy up these properties and keep them out of, like, the big corporation's hands. He warns Nadine about this, who was on her way to warn Granny about this, when the banker, who was there originally, remember, he was there in the beginning right. because he was doing the tour, runs into her, tries to talk her out of it, kills her, hides her in the apple press, right? the apple press and then bentley sort of gets wise to what's going on and i think he kind of figures out that there's some shady dealings and so mr sherman also has to kill farmer bentley to keep this a secret so it's this... the reason that she died right yeah he should die first i know i know so the whole Poor thing man. i know and and she was going to warn granny who was her mortal enemy well, good thing she didn't, because then Granny would have been killed. I know. You're right. You're absolutely right. So the thing is, there was never any indication that Mr. Sherman was even really a character. He was just like a, a one-dimensional thing. So the fact that suddenly he's like a desperate man with gambling debts to the wrong people willing to do anything to, you know, clear his name, it was just like, what? Yeah, but he's the banker and the curmudgeon, and yes. he's, uh, he's he's already the the villain. Yes, so it's like we might as well make him the killer. Now here's where it wins me back a little bit, okay? Because Winnie is tied to the chair in this barn, and and they had to really like clean everything up. So there's a big like overhead storage compartment, and it's like packed to the brim, you know, and it's braced up, so it, everything's out of sight, out of mind. She is tied to a chair, right? And he's finished his monologue. And he's like, and now I'm going to kill you. Gun on her, right? Who should appear in the door? Bo, I I promise you, you will never guess who's going to appear in this door. Would you like to take a guess? Hmm, could it be Colton, the sheriff? See, you thought I was being sarcastic, but you really will never guess who shows up because it is the premature kitten, Dolly Parton, shows up in the door sees what's going on, launches her tiny hot dog bun-sized body at the banker, and while he's distracted, Winnie smashes her head into the brace that's holding up the supplies and brings the whole thing crashing down on both of them, and she is out for the count. Oh, no. But 
you know, the, the sexy sheriff doesn't come in and save her. Like, she figures it out and saves herself, which I actually thought was pretty progressive for the tenor of this novel overall. Well, that's true, actually, yeah. considering he's been putting her down a bit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, do, should I should I save the button? Do you want to do a little bit more of yours? Yeah, save the button. I'll save it. And I also want to hear about those recipes. I'll so, tell you yeah, about we, them. I will tell you about them. We yeah. have more to get to. We do. Okay, so she basically she gets her second warning, and then now now enough's enough. Like you cannot stay at this house anymore. Like no. everyone's angry. Sheriff Gray's like, I've been telling you, I've been trying to control you and win you over, and I, now you're staying at your mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna parole all the time. You're gonna yeah. have like complete security detail. So basically, this is it. And she's like, Okay, I get it, I get it. She's like, But I'm gonna go back to the historical society one more time. Just one more time. And so, she, so she goes back. Oh, the reason she goes back is because her mom her mom has something that she needs to actually deliver there this time. I'm sorry. So her mom had a hat mm. from uh, this guy, Mr. Nettle, who's another person that works at historical society. So she Mr. goes back Nettle. there and she's like, I'm going to go back and maybe ask a little bit more about, was it Bo Waddell? Bo, Bo Waddell. Mr. Bo Waddell. Paging Bo I'm gonna, Waddell. I'm going to ask about Mr. Bo Waddell. Yeah. So basically she gets there. You and, sounded um, like Rue. When you said that, you sounded like Rue McClanahan. You have the hair and you sounded like it as well. I do declare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Though. Really? I'll take it. Okay. So we get to the historical society and this really weird moment occurs where she gets there, especially like ringing the bell. No, the historical society is more or less for all intents and pers- purposes, like closed because it's the yeah, holidays. Sure. But there's one lone secretary there and she's like ringing the, ringing the bell. And this woman comes up and she's all fleshed and like disheveled mm. and stuff. It was clearly canoodling with yeah. Mr. Nettle. Yeah. So basically she's like, I have Mr. Nettle's hat. He left it at the hearth when he was here for the reindeer games, blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, I'll get it back to him. And then she's like, what's up with, with Bo Waddell? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't know what you mean. She's like, why like, why did he take over M- Margaret's place yes. so willingly? Yes. She's, stuff. And she's like, that is well, suspicious. you know, he's young and he's like eager and he's yeah. just um, young and hungry. There's a lot of, re- lot of respect or whatever. Um, with with Margaret's position, but he's just moving up in ranks or whatever. So she's like, "Did you know anything about this loan from or the grant from the historical society that they ha- were in touch with, with in California?" And okay. she was like, "So basically, you know, they allowed ac- they allowed yeah, yeah. Uh, the restoration of the windmill. Sure, you um, have and then to. Margaret wanted Margaret wanted this grant for another grant for the bridge mm-hmm. that was gonna um, that was a big ah yes in Paula's side. Yeah, yeah." So basically, that's that's what we that's what we find out from there. So fast forward, a lot of flirting between Sheriff Gray, a lot to. of like, you know, torment over this is the time of year she's supposed to get married. Yeah, you know, a real um, will they, will they with these two, right? <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> um, one moment that I do have to get into that was like, please, really interesting was oh. when we were back at the hearth yes. and it's one of the reindeer game events. And remember the character of uh, Ray. The high school-ish, sweetheart-ish. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Reporter. Yeah. So we get into the booth, and he has his mother there, who he lives with, and he's kind of taken care of, and the aunts. And his mother's name is May. Okay. And the um, sisters' names are. uh, A lot of information. Ruby Ray and Soleil, or something like Mm. like they they all rhyme, you know. So we have May, Ruby Ray, and Soleil, like. And then there's Ray and his sister Kay. Okay. And so, so Holly's all this information. It's cute. And hey, then, I, listen, I, I just have to point out to our listeners that you and your brother's names do rhyme. I just, I feel like we need to have that on record. No, they don't. Bo, Joe. Bo and Joey. 
Mm, I I think you got a rhyming sibling situation happening. And you're so much alike. That's the other thing. Couldn't be more accurate. <laughs> Bookends. So then, you know, oh, Holly's laughing her, her, her face off. She's like, oh, you're so funny. I didn't know you were so funny. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah. He's like, and you know what? I dodged a bullet. Yeah. I could have been named after my uncle Gay. Huh. And I was hmm. like, well, what is this homophobic edge hmm. that this author threw in there? Yeah, like, that's, that a, really that's an interesting. That's uh, an interesting twist. She and, just and had to get it laugh, in. She's laughing even harder. And sure. Like, this is necessary. So yeah. that kind of like got me right away. Yeah, um, understood. As far, as far as the tone, yeah, I felt like it was very, very hallmarky, especially in that moment. I was like, all right. <laughs> I guess that was okay in 2015. Right. Hey, 2015? Okay, I thought you were going to say like 1999. Well, it feels like it. Okay. So basically, uh, she returned the hat to Mr. Nettle. She learned that information. And we're, 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 we're zooming up to um, Christmas Eve, which is like the big snowball okay. um, snowball event yeah. that, um, that everybody looks forward to. Yes. And what this is, it's like, it's called the snowball roll. And you have to like start at the top of a hill and you start with a little snowball. Okay. And you got to like roll it down the hill and you have to like, I, I think it has to grow inside. Okay. Yeah. The finish end. Uh, I see. To the finish line. That and sounds fun. And she wins every year. Mm-hmm. Supposedly. But this year, uh, Sheriff Gray is also entered and she wants to try and um, outrun him. It goes really awry and she ends up tumbling to the finish line and basically breaking both her legs. Whoa. Not really breaking it, but spraining her ankle. Yeah, so, still. So basically now Pretty serious. Even she's out of commission. Yeah. So that night there is the this like kind of it's almost like a candlelight vigil, but it's the, the Christmas tree lighting downtown. <laughs> okay. They're making it in honor of Margaret. I see. Well, that's and nice. she really wants to go, but she's just not feeling great. No, like, she's had so many scares. Sprained her ankle or whatever. Sprained her ankle. She's been pushing it too much. Yeah. She's been skating like crazy. Yeah. So she stays home, and um, everyone's going to this vigil. She had a really flirty moment where the sheriff, she calls, in her defense, she always refers to him as Sheriff Gray. Well, see, that's appropriate. Yeah. And that, that's how it should be. Yeah, I agree. Really so much so that I don't even remember his real name. Hmm. So I think it's, actually, I think it's Derek. Really? <laughs> is, is it? One of those hunky uh, Hallmark names. Evan Gray. It's Evan, oh, Sher- Evan Sheriff Evan Gray. Yep. Oh, thank you. Is that in the description? It is, yeah. Huh. And meanwhile, Ray and Evan have this, um, they have they have some friction. They have some mm. friction. <laughs> because obviously they both want Holly. Stay in your own book, please. <laughs> I don't know where I am. I don't either. So we're on Christmas Eve. We're at Christmas Eve, and she's at home alone. Her parents are like, we're just going to go for a little while. We're going to leave you, even though the murder's on the loose. We're going to leave you and go to the, you know, we're going to go to yeah. the, um, we're going to go to the vigil. It's the holidays. Yeah. Get out there. Holiday. Don't get in my way here. No. So, but she does have a deputy. She has the deputy, deputy, um, what, what did we say? Barney Rubble? Barney Fife. Barney Fife. Barney Fife yeah. from, um, from. Um, the Andy Griffith Show. Yep. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So basically we have Barney Fife watching out for her and um he kind of comforting he, he, he rounds the he he does a uh, uh uh like a he patrols the the premises yeah and he's, he's 
he's always like here and there and she never knows where he is. I see. Very she's Barney Fife when you think about it. She's starting to get skeptical. She's like, why, who is this guy? I don't know. And we were never formally introduced. Hmm. And she's like going to the window and then all of a sudden she sees somebody appearing at the front, at, like at the window, knocking at, like trying to get her attention. Yes. And you guess who it is? Who? Is it Kenny Rogers, the premature kitten? <laughs> it's not the other cat. Okay. Then I don't know. It's Mr. Nettle who lost his hat. What? I know, and he's just, he's, he's knocking on the window because he's like, I have to talk to you right now. I ran into your parents in the square, and they said you weren't going to be there, and I just really want to give you this information about the historical society. I know you were asking about Bo Waddell. Oh, my gosh. So she's like, oh, my God, of course, come in. And she's like, I'm making hot chocolate. They're never not making hot chocolate. No, of course They're not. They're never not drinking tea. It's the holidays, like and I this said. Is how hallmarky it is. It's like yeah. when she's feeling sassy, she'll put like a little bit of schnapps in her tea. Oh, <laughs> That after that second kitty's got claws look out (laughs) so um but she's totally sober this night she just has that's good that's good well so basically um you know she he's trying to inform her about um Bo Wydell and this mm-hmm. um, grand opportunity yeah. that, um, that he tried to interfere. And she's like, something's not adding up here. No. And she's just, she's starting to get like the hairs in the back of her neck. Yeah. Well, she, just, she just let a murderer into her house. So obviously you got to be. I don't know concerned. what you're talking about. Well, so basically she's trying to like get out of the situation and, I would and not be. try to hear him. And so she's, um, cause he's getting really nice and cozy on the couch and she's like, this is just feeling wrong. Mm-hmm. So basically she books it towards the door. She's like, I'm getting a get out of here. And yeah. she, trips down the stairs and right before her is um sheriff uh a deputy barney five barney five okay and he's laying with blood coming out oh 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 somewhere whoa was he in an apple press did they have an apple press in that basement no he wasn't squished oh okay all right um no he was just bludgeoned or shot unclear with a stake but maybe she that she, but she sees she sees his chest moving oh he's okay we think okay so basically um here we have it he's finally like get back in this house now let's get this over with nice and nice yeah. and quick and right then like you write the suicide note oh or something like that well, that's so nice. he's gonna frame it so in this whole convoluted finale we find out essentially he wanted to interfere with this grant coming from the historical society in california oh. and try and intercept it and because he was in a lot of debt too <gasps> which was gambling because this is also was it gambling yes probably okay he's also a very one-dimensional character and margaret was made very aware of this and so now it was kind of the nadine oh okay i must end you. yes Wow. So basically, he's trying to steal grant money. She interfered, and now she's done. So now he, you think, okay, so now he killed Margaret and he killed the deputy. Just yeah. <laughs> very strange occurrences. Yeah, like, it is. how many other characters could have gone? Right. They go through this big. They go through this big fight. She has her phone with her, so she's able to call the de- uh, call sheriff. Sheriff, Chris, like, sheriff, yeah. She's like whispering, "Help me, get here help quick, me. hurry." Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and wear something tight. You know, it's like <laughs> so she's able to like still get out enough, and she can feel him like breathing on her neck at one time, like just like darting all around the Christmas tree, like all around the forest and wow. stuff. And so she basically has two broken ankles, and then she remembers. <laughs> There's this hole in the ground, 
that as a child she used to run over and it's basically a well okay to see if she could run and make it over and if she didn't there was enough branches down there to hold her and she could climb out but she knew that if she didn't make it into the hole if she made it into the hole this time she wouldn't be able to get out and he would leave her for dead because uh, right yeah so yeah like, with her last with her last amount of adrenaline she takes the one two three jumps over the hole and he doesn't know it's there, so he runs after her, and he lands in the hole. Jeez. Wait, 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 wait. She does, like, a big run, jump, land on two broken ankles? I know. Oh, Still, they're probably broken now. She said that she keeps thinking in her head. She's like, I feel like my legs are broken. I'm going to die of hypothermia, but probably. I have to do this last beat. Hmm. So by the time she gets there, she basically passes out. He's contained. He can't get out because there's a big storm, okay. and it's it's enough to contain him. And um, she basically wakes up. She's on a gurney. Sheriff Gray came to the rescue. Her parents are eventually notified. And um, she makes her to the hospital. And mm. then when she does finally wake up, she's in her own bed at home on Christmas morning. Aww. And do you want me to tie this up? Let, let, me, let me give you my end. Let me give you my end because it's very similar. So... Oh. Everybody comes rushing to where, remember, because the ceiling's just collapsed and the banker and, and the kitten, Dolly Parton, right. and Winnie are all right there. We learn very quickly that nothing happened to the kittens. They're fine. Winnie is fine, sort of. She has a concussion. She's not in great shape. Because uh, she basically smashed her head into a giant wooden pole while a cat, a tiny cat, scratched the banker's face off. And everybody's real excited. Granny's still in the hospital. But by Christmas Day, everybody's out of the hospital. We're back together. The Christmas gala goes off. It proves the success of the business. Winnie's going to get, I mean, Mr. Sherman obviously is not uh, holding the purse strings anymore. You know, he's uh, hes in prison at this point. Well, actually, probably the trial's going to take a while. But he is. Does he have a fierce scar on his face, though? He must. He must. Yeah, which would help him in prison, I would think. But he's 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 out of the picture and so it's probably going to fall to jake now to decide the loan and jake's already in the bag for these cider loving people so winnie's going to get her cider shop she does finally decide to sell one of grampy's classic cars which would have saved us a whole lot of trouble if she would have done that in the first place uh some wink wink with colton but i think we're saving the romance for uh issue you know book two and uh that's that's a wrap on cider house slaying pulp fiction what's it called apple cider slaying no kissy kissy? I don't think we do get a kiss. No, I don't think so. Oh. Yeah, well, sorry. Well, we have to tune in for the next book. I you guess. do. You have to. Pulp Friction. Ours basically and Mine basically ends exactly the same. She wakes up. She goes downstairs. There's basically a big banquet for her with all the people in town who are yeah. waiting for her to arrive. Very similar. She starts clapping when she gets Yay. up. Her, her ankles are no longer broken. Oh, good. <laughs> She's able to walk down the What a turnaround that was. Great. One night. She just needed a good night's rest. Yeah, you just needed to sleep and that off. Yeah, um, so we find out that Cookie, the Rocket, invested in Caroline's Bake, com- bake Good Company. So Yay! now she gets to have her own company. She That's all great. the goodies. And then Sheriff Gray shows up, and where are they standing? Under the mistletoe. <gasps> in mistletoe. In mistletoe. Wow, that's and inception. And the last pages, he leans down and presses his lips to mine. The end. All right, Bo. Now, you're going to need one dozen apples in a variety of flavors. You're going to need two large oranges. Are you writing this down? One lemon. Grab a pencil. Four cinnamon sticks. Three teaspoons of whole cloves. Two teaspoons of vanilla extract. That's going to give it a nice kick. Half a cup of brown sugar. Half a cup of white sugar. And that's your off. With uh, That's how you get started with this, uh, with this cider, cider recipe. Winnie's slow cooking. And you know there's no G on the end of that cooking. Winnie's you know, slow cooking cider. 
Merry Christmas. Um, was this Christmassy enough for you? Very. Okay. All right. My, I feel like mine was largely not Christmassy because it picks up like they're all. It, yeah, it starts like the day after Thanksgiving and it's all sort of it's all this period between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So it kind of starts Black Friday and really ends on Christmas. And we're talking about the Christmas festival, but it never really gets Christmassy until like the last couple of pages. So till the Christmas ball or whatever. Yeah, the have. Christmas, yeah. the Christmas. What is it called again? The first annual Christmas at the Orchard. It workshop the name a little bit, but that's uh, <laughs> working title. That's yeah, that's where it ends up. That's where it ends up. Are you going to be checking out book two of Santa's slaying reindeer? What's it called? Uh, Twelve Slays of Christmas. Twelve Slays of Christmas. Yes. Uh, probably not. You're not going to do it? Just just for our listeners, the sequel is called Twas the Night Before Christmas. Oh, that's the one. That was the one I was between. Yeah. Between these two. Yeah, that so sounds good. So maybe I will, actually. Maybe. There's always next year. Mine picks up in Pulp Friction, so if you want to know what happens with Annie, Annie, Winnie, and Granny, and... <laughs> And Colton, uh, and Dot and Jake and the kittens, of course. You can you can find them all in Pulp Friction. How do you rate this with the three you've read so far? Um, I give it oh against the three. Yeah, which of the three that you've the read? Most Christmassy. Most Christmassy. It felt a little too long. Okay. But I I think it's I give it. Uh, Eight candy canes, which is more than I gave the other two. Wow, that's a lot of candy canes. Mine, I feel like, is actually pretty well written, I feel like, for the most part. But I think structurally is where some of the problems happen. Because you don't, like, I think you over, you over-personalize characters like the vet and the hiking guide and the plastic surgeon. But you underdevelop characters like Mr. Sherman and Granny who are really just sort of like non-entities. So I think because of that imbalance, you spend a lot of time feeling like the story's not really moving at all. And then things get like crazy violent and, and happen, but like you're not really invested in the characters involved because they've really just been kind of tucked away, probably to like preserve the mystery so you're not thinking about them too much. But I think it just kind of leaves you hanging in the center. So by the time you get to the end, it feels kind of forced. I'd say structurally, this book is a little off too. I'd say content-wise, as far as like, if you want a good dose of Christmas cheer, you're gonna get it. I mean, it's very super sweet. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, that hallmark factor for sure. But um, I think the, most of the characters are pretty well developed, except for the guy who ends up being the killer. Mm. I mean, there really is that thing where it's just yeah. like they totally underplay that character. They think if they don't, if they don't develop them at all, then we won't ever suspect them. So that's a very, that's a, like Agatha Christie used that quite often. Like that, that method where like, you don't really get enough information until suddenly like there's a big reveal at the end. But I mean, she knew what she was doing. And I feel like maybe these people don't as much. So maybe they aspire to that. Yeah. It's not the worst book I read. And honestly, I was pretty in it for most of the time, but I, feel like my book last year the nine lives of christmas like beat for beat that is locked into my head this book i feel like it took me forever to read and as i was like sitting down to like oh we have to discuss this in detail i was really sort of like so what did the oil people do like who what's the order like it just didn't i didn't retain it as much as i had the others so maybe that's the pandemic but how did you choose that book well, every year I want to read like a Christmas donut book, like a donut shop Christmas mystery. And they just, there aren't any. So then that got me, I feel like I was searching for like Christmas donuts, Christmas donut, like bookshop mystery. And I got to this cider thing 
And there was just a couple of cats, like, opening an apple bag on the front in a sleigh. And, and again, none of that matters. But that's how the cider, I think, is really what got me. I went from donuts to cider. Would you ever go to a cider bar? I you know, Year-round, probably not. Like, am I going to a cider bar in March? I don't think so. I don't think so. If it was uh, in that hot spot of uh, post-Thanksgiving, yeah, I'd kick back a couple of these uh, hot vanilla ciders. Why not? Do you want to like go? Cake? No. Oh, okay. All right. Now I feel like this is this for me. You, doing this Christmas book club with you is essentially the equivalent to Santa Claus showing up at the end of the Macy's Day Parade. By the way, what the heck was that this year? Did you watch the Macy's Day Parade? Yeah, it seemed like they had more space. It was yeah. It was like pure nonsense. Like half of it was a video game, and half of it was like Mario Lopez having domestic problems. Like <laughs> I loved watching Al Roker just riff though. <laughs> okay. It was so fun. One time I was in New York City with my grandpa and we were outside of the Today Show and Al Roker came barreling out. This was pre-gastric bypress. This was this was big Al Roker. Just came barreling out. And we like had to press up against the wall. But he high-fived my grandpa and kept running. I don't know where he was going. But was this before or after you walked out of Cabaret? It was the same trip. It was, it was in fact, the same trip. And I want to say that it was before because spirits were much higher. <laughs> I would have stayed. I would have stayed at Cabaret, but it was too sexual for my grandparents. Understandable. Much Alan, too sexual. Alan Cumming is shocking. We were so close. We were like at the front table. I'm sure the whole Cabaret cast, Alan Cummings included, were like, what were those people? Why did they leave the front table in the five seconds of the opening? I think I ruined, a... I ruined some nights, I think, for the, the cast of Cabaret in the year 2000. No, not as much as Shia LaBeouf. Did you hear about that? Hollywood superstar Shia LaBeouf? What did he do? He was probably in that same seat in the front row that, uh, of Cabaret. He was able to add one of the Cabaret tables, right? Okay, yeah. Like a few yeah. tables yeah. for some special guests or people that get, you know, last night. Yeah. And um, he was, like, smoking a cigarette wow. and laughing and kind of, you know, catcalling and just getting really rowdy. And they had to escort him out. Wow. I don't know if Alan Cumming did, but... I don't... That didn't... It was not the same night. It was maybe a different night for me. I, I think I'd remember... You know, a, a, a gregarious Shia LaBeouf sitting next to me. I don't think I'd yeah, easily forget that. Yeah. Well, all that to say the Christmas season has begun. So I thank you for taking this okay. return journey, even though it has to be remote because of the, the dumb world that we have right now. Well, th that's in my contract. Oh, well, that's right. I Yes, I, I did read through all of that. It was extensive. It was extensive and covered a lot of things that I didn't think were relevant. But oh, yeah. yeah, again, I thank you for your time. At the library, our Christmas book club is currently reading Robert B. Parker's Silent Night. It's the last Robert B. Parker Spencer novel. Uh, it's Christmassy, so we're going to be talking about that in the coming weeks. So you can check out a copy at the library and read along with us and just send us your comments. David A. Howe Public Library on Facebook or D.A. Howe Library on Twitter. We were talking about Christmas books we didn't like. In the next regular episode of this podcast, I have a special interview with Melody Carlson, who has written lots of Christmas books that I do like. So we're going to be talking about her new release this year, The Christmas Swap, where two families swap houses for Christmas. So that's coming up on the next episode of How's Things. Bo, thanks again for joining me. Thanks, Nick. Bye, everybody. All right. That's going to do it for this week on How's Things. We'll see you next time good run through let's i'm just gonna hit record